You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey everybody, it's Weird Islanders, the podcast, back once again. My name is Dan, that is Mike. Uh, how are you tonight, Mike? I'm, I'm excited. I, I think this is a, a, going to be another great episode. It's, um, you know, with, with all the talk about the Islanders farm system that we've heard and we've read about over, I don't know, the past six years maybe or so, and how <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's barren and... Uh, the Islanders haven't developed a forward in a decade or whatever people want to say. And, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like they, some, some prospect writers want them to be arrested for the way that they've, <laughs> they've maintained their farm system. Um, right. The guy we're talking about today is probably for fans of my generation, the first can't miss prospect who missed, uh, right. for the Islanders. And, uh, he he yeah him and you know, a couple couple other guys in his let's call it i guess prospect class you mm. know that that kind of cohort um will always be remembered fondly by me as you know my my first prospects mm. yeah yeah this uh this guy was sort of the perennial prospect um i i was surprised to find that he played so long ago and uh, sort of missed the the whole podcasting era, and and I was surprised that he, uh, kind of the he was sort of out by the time the blogs came around. So because I remember us talking about him a lot on Lighthouse Hockey, but we'll get to him and we'll get to his whole uh, sort of very strange history <laughs> with the Islanders mm-hmm. and their uh, particularly their um, AHL team uh, with our special guest. You may remember him from his episode uh, with us last year. Or you may know him from his podcast, Reliving My Youth, or his web show, Advanced Shouting. He's just a great guy, and he's a buddy of ours, and his name is Noel Fogelman. Noel, what's going on? Hey, guys. How's it going tonight? I am very excited to talk about this guy. This this is a, a perfect – I mean, you couldn't have made a perfect, a more perfect pick. We yeah. talked about this after your last episode. You were like, oh, hey, if this guy's available, I want to take it. And I was like, oh, he's all yours. No problem. So we'll pencil you in. Um, but, uh, you know, what's uh, – what? I mean, just real quick, uh, I mean – we just the Islanders, the, the current Islanders just passed their 41 game mark halfway through the season. Uh, I mean, what are your feelings on on this club? Mike and I have, uh, you know, we, we've gotten our feelings out on Islanders anxiety, but uh, 
What, what, what are you thinking about this, uh, this very strange season of ups and downs for the Islanders? I don't want to go off like on a rant about them. It's just a lot of missed opportunities, a very lackadaisical off season kind of led to this point. Uh, you know, they're right in the mix, you know, which we thought they would be. They were a playoff team without any, without making any moves. Mm. It's just frustrating how they could have been much more if they yeah. actually woke Lou up and made some moves. Yeah. And it's just unfortunate because you can look at the trade deadline and they're going to be right in there. Are they going to be sellers? Are they going to be buyers? Is Luke going to do anything? It's just very frustrating. But yeah, it's he's probably going to use injuries as an excuse, like he used COVID last year. You know, you have your best defenseman out. You know, Mark, uh, Matt Barzell missed a game. You had Paul Mary, who's been out for a long time. You know, Clutterbuck. I mean, Hutch and Fashing is fitting very nicely. You know, right. and I saw him in Bridgeport while he was there. He looked like a little bit of a player. Uh, Aturatu. Would probably come back, you know, down to Bridgeport soon because he's going to reach, you know, the ten game limit, you know, for mm-hmm. before burning, you know, his ELC, and he should go down there. He doesn't look like he's ready. Uh, but Simon Holmstrom, I mean, looked like he can be up here before we saw that uh, questionable hit that mm-hmm. you know nothing was called, you know, in that game. Yeah. But hopefully he'll be back soon, and you know, we'll get Pelic back. And but Lou will probably use those guys coming back as, oh, these are our reinforcements, and this is the team we like, and this is what we're going with. Yeah, we've heard that song before. Uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I mean, like you said, uh, it's a good point that you know they'll they'll probably probably still be in the mix. Hopefully, you knock on wood, they'll still be in the mix of the trade deadline. And yeah, the phrase uh, "getting players back from injury" is our trade deadline is definitely burned into Islanders fans' memories. But uh, we'll have to kind of see yeah. how that shakes out. But uh, for the meantime, let's uh, let's go back in the uh, in the uh, time tunnel and uh, take a look at a guy who uh, again m- might have been the Simon Holmstrom or, you know, uh, trade deadline call up, uh, of a, a later, an earlier time. And, uh, again, it was a perfect pick by you. So without any more further ado, Noel Fogelman, will you please reveal the subject of tonight's episode of weird Islanders, the podcast. He was drafted in the fifth round of the 1999 NHL draft, probably regarded as one of the worst NHL drafts ever. Of course. <laughs> and of course, Mike Milbury, End up having four first round picks that year. Right. We'll get into that a little bit later. I would always get this guy confused with Jason Krog, mm. personally. Um, and even when I spoke to him after, I would get confused like, oh, he won a Hobie Baker Award. No, he didn't even go to college. You know, he's a, he's a winger. No, he's not. He's a center. This and that. My guy is probably the best Islander last name in the franchise history, Justin Maple. That is. That is some kind of introduction for a man who who has earned it. Justin Mapletoft, the legend. Uh, yeah, this I, we we should rank Islanders' last names. Matthias Weenhandel, I think, would probably be yeah. my go-to guy. But, yeah. And he was also drafted in in, in the nineteen ninety nine draft. Yes, yeah, yeah. it was a great yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, um, it's funny that you bring up that draft because it, it was years later. I remember that draft very well. Um, the nineteen ninety nine draft. Uh, that was the year they got uh, Tim Connolly, right, and Taylor Pyatt. And uh, at first, I, I was just like you. I was like, oh, man, they got four picks in the first round. That's awesome. And it wasn't until years later that I was like, hmm, I wonder why they got four picks in that, that first round. <laughs> I think I figured out why. None of those guys were particularly very good. Uh, and uh, Justin Mapletoft is on the list. So, so tell us, I mean, not, not that I think we need a lot of explanation because this is obviously Weird Islanders, the podcast. But mm-hmm. what made you uh, single out Justin Mapletoft as a guy you wanted to talk about on the show? All right. Well, you mentioned like earlier in the intro how, you know, Islander fans now might not remember him. You know, he was like our prospect. You can kind of equate him to like Michael Del Cole right now. Although Del Cole was, you know, top five, you know, his round, you know, couldn't miss this and that. This guy had a tremendous junior career. He won a Memorial Cup. He led, he led, he led his team there. And then he went right from the juniors to Bridgeport where he took the inaugural season of Bridgeport to the call to cup. So this mm-hmm. guy was knowing championships left and right, you know, going there. And then he went to the Islanders where, you know, careers go to die. But, <laughs> but I, I just liked to, you know, cause obviously his, his, he had a cool last name. Yeah. He, he played, you know, a great, he was a really good two way center. And just the fact that he was in that draft where they had so many picks that year. I think they had, 14 or 15 
and <laughs> you know he, he was he really scored a lot of goals in juniors and he was going to be pretty much a can't miss prospect even though he went in the fifth round i think the expectations for him were pretty high but it just he comes here you know he was he played in juniors he was you know an overaged uh player in juniors when he finally came here he thought he's gonna play you know this is a young team and then milbury struck again <laughs> created you know every pretty much everyone from that draft got pekka got yash and you know scatcher mm-hmm. all these guys when charles wong bought the team and i'll get into a story with charles wong in a little bit but there was really no place for justin anymore yeah. on the islanders because he was a center and he was probably the sixth center on the roster in the depth chart after Pekka, Yashin, Scatchard, I think they brought Jason Weimer in, you know, mm-hmm. all these guys who called a point, you know, on the fourth line, which would have been perfect for Justin, who was a really good two-way center, who had a good shot and could score. So mm-hmm. it was just that. And plus, I'm probably the only one besides Justin who has a game used jersey of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I want to hear all about the jersey, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> At some point. Yeah. It, 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 the, uh, to go back to that 1999 draft, there there still is one player that playing from that draft class. By the way, uh, oh my god, Craig Anderson is uh, wow. Yeah. Is is still playing um, and was drafted in the <laughs> same draft as uh, Sheldon Keefe and uh, Mike Mike Commodore and yeah, and like you said, Matthias Weinhandel and and several other and 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 four four first round picks of the Islanders that probably played a combined what like 130 games for them. Um, but <laughs> they did turn into into something. So, um, but yeah, like J- Maple Toft, like you said, he 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 went from being this fifth round pick, and I remember like just reading about him in, in Newsday or or in like season previews for the team uh, in that you know, two thousand two ish kind of uh, range, two thousand three, the next season, and being like, this is you know, keep an eye out for this Justin Maple Toft guy. He's coming. He's coming. Uh, mm. he, he's a serial winner. He's exactly like the type of player that uh, Peter Laviolette likes because he's, you know, I, I, I want to say, and this might be me making this up, but I feel like he was always compared to Michael Pekka. Like they'd be like, he is built in the same mold as Pekka. He's, he's a, a two-way center with, with some offensive upside. He's super smart. Um, and, you know, a couple years later, they get another Justin Justin Papineau in the, the Chris Osgood trade. <laughs> yep. And all of a sudden these two guys, because of their names, like they're linked and, and it's just like another, you know, can't miss prospect. And and part of this is because the Islanders you look you look at that era from basically two thousand to God, two thousand nine, basically, I guess, or, or a little earlier than that with, with Bailey and Oposa, but who were the homegrown players? Like who were the prospects that actually came through? Because it was Papineau, Mapletoft, Jeremy Colleton was 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 one. I feel like Tommy Petnin was always you know mentioned as as like a, a you know defensive guy. I guess Radic Martinek was like the only guy that was drafted, right. developed, and like became like this you know a solid NHLer from from mm. these draft classes uh, that Milbury put together. I mean, yeah, Rick, but he's. <laughs> Like we, as we say on every weird episode of Weird Islanders, Rick is a. We got to put Rick to the side. Like we, but like everybody else, like we kept getting these prospects, whether it be in trade or whatever. And it was really Hunter and Rick were the only two that that hit. So we'd right. always be like, like you think it's bad now? You think the Islanders <laughs> being ranked like twenty eighth on the Athletics? One of the they they have a. a you know, a prospect rankings every two months and the Islanders are always ranked 28th. You think that's bad. Like go back to 2002 when, when the yeah. Islanders, you know, when it was Mapletoft and Carlton and uh, wine handle, like none of these guys ended up right. making it. And despite the fact that we were told over and over and over and over again, mm. get excited for Justin Mapletoft. He's coming. <laughs> well, and and that, that era, cause you're hundred percent right. And I hadn't really thought about that, but like, yeah, they, they went through a period where, they graduated almost nobody. And even Hunter was not yeah. drafted by them. That he was an Anaheim yeah. pick, you know. But um, but that come that came after the period that everybody remembers, which was the time when they drafted all kinds of really good players and then traded them all. So yeah. Tom Bertuzzi, yeah. you know, uh uh Luongo, Brewer, like that whole group of guys that it's just like, you know, oh yeah, they, that that guy was an islander. Oh, now he's yeah. gone. So yeah. so or, it is or, kind or of- basically they, they draft two guys 
in J.P. Dumont and Michael Ruff, who don't even play. They don't even sign them. Right, who don't even play for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah two top ten picks. <laughs> yeah, right, right down the drain. So but so before we get to, to Mapletoff playing for the Islanders, I, I do want to talk about, because um, his Bridgeport career, uh, and this was in the very early days of the Sound Tigers, we can call them that in this episode. We don't have to, we don't have mm-hmm. to like reorient our brains to call them the Bridgeport Islanders. They were the Sound Tigers. And he had a really, really good, four-year run with with Bridgeport 240 games played 47 goals 83 assists 130 points and more strangely 217 penalty minutes which is a lot for four years and when we talk about his Islanders uh yeah time it almost feels like he's like a different player like it's I was looking at these stats and I'm like this is the same guy and and, you know we talk a lot we've talked a lot about so the, the quadruple a player the guy who's really really good in the ahl and then comes up to the nhl and doesn't really kind of find his footing mapletoff might be like the quintessential guy because these are good numbers for for a guy in the ahl and he was on the calder cup uh final team from 0102 that that rick talks about in in an old uh, article for the athletic that i'll include um and so he was a really good player but just it didn't click uh when he came up to the islanders so i mean noel is a guy who i mean you you might i think of all the people I know, you've watched the most Bridgeport games of literally everybody I know. I know. Um, did you watch him during this time? And like, what was your, if so, what was your kind of takeaway from him uh, at that time? It's funny because my very first Bridgeport game was uh, the 3 4 season. So I oh, wow. didn't get to see, you know, the inaugural season there and the run to the Calder Cup. Still the only time they actually made it that far. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it's, you know, it fits in with the Islander organization, you know. Right. But. But I saw like a like you mentioned before, like a bigger Michael Pekka. Mm-hmm. You know, he played a great you know defensive two way game, and you know he had a little bit of offense, you know, and then a little bit of a nasty side. So he wasn't afraid to you know to, to get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like like you said, when he came to the Islanders, he was a different player. Uh, he, I don't know. He only played he played thirty eight games you know, over the two years. It was mainly like just an injury replacement guy, and he just mm-hmm. it was kind of just a numbers thing. And when I spoke to him, he just he was very frustrated about that to the point where he was talking to his agent about actually requesting a trade. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From, the island, from the Islanders. Why would you ever want to leave the Islanders? Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's lovely there. Uh, you know, because he, he was living in, in the hotel across. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the Marriott, the beautiful Marriott. Marriott. And he ended up moving in a little bit with GPHO. So it fits perfect with, with this episode. Um, yeah. It was just like kind of you know, i mean you score one goal in 27 games obviously you know right. that, that that's an issue but i feel like he never really got a, a fair share you know he played he averaged ice time with six minutes in those 27 games i mean so like we, we're looking at a guy now in, in Aturatu who got six minutes in that one game mm-hmm. so it, it's just like he's also never got a, a, a chance and he even mentioned to me that he loved playing with that that first mm-hmm. season that was his, one of his favorite coaches in any level of hockey. When he played with Steve Sterling the next year, he got along with him, but he just didn't mesh professionally mm-hmm. with him. And which is kind of telling because Sterling was the coach in Bridgeport. Right. Yeah. That right. was the, the coach that led them to the. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I found that kind of interesting that he played <laughs> with him and did so well in Bridgeport. But when he came to the Islanders, when Sterling was <laughs> coaching, it just didn't click. So it's just it's 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 interesting there. I I, I have a theory that Steve Sterling wasn't even a, didn't ever exist because I I've always said that like I feel like he is the most anonymous NHL coach you've we've ever seen. Right. He, he he coached in Bridgeport, shows up, coaches an NHL team, makes the playoffs, gets fired the year after the lockout midway through, and then is never heard from again. <laughs> Are we yeah. sure this guy actually existed, right, or was yeah. it just Mike Milbury wearing like some sort of mask or something? Because yeah. <laughs> he, he, I know he went to like coaching like Babson or something up mm. up in like somewhere in, in Maine or whatever. Eventually, but um, he, his, he, he, and he was like a, just a really frustrating coach as a fan. Yeah, because I, I remember we, you'd go after, after games. You could go to um, what was it called, the Blue Line Grill or something, the mm. Blue Line Bar and Grill. Or Doolins it ended up being called in Champions. like the lower, the lower lobby, those, yeah. the lower right. lobby of um oh, right, of the Coliseum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking right, about, like yeah. at the bottom of the escalator, and and they'd have yes. you know post game guests, and mm-hmm. a lot of times they would get uh 
if it was like a big game for some, so say for I remember Jeff Tambellini and uh, and Grabish Cobb, I, I believe were both out for their first uh, after their first home game. And it was funny because obviously Grabishkov couldn't really speak any English, but so he just kind of sat there and, you know, you got all the Islander, you know, fans and, and losers like me, like clapping and, and listening to their answers <laughs> as, as Chris King and John Weidman would, would a- interview them. And I, and I remember when Sterling would come, he would just, he would be very surly like about it. And huh. I get it. Like you, you, you just probably lost a game and now you're sitting here and talking to the fans and like, it's almost like a fans press conference mm-hmm. and, Right. Um, but it's for the radio and, and it's, you'd be doing this media availability ever. And, and, and I remember just all these, you know, older, older Islander fans leave and just be like, this guy, he just doesn't get us like Laviolette did and, and stuff like that. And, um, so I, I, I me, me too, just me too, Justin, I, I, I didn't enjoy my, I didn't enjoy my time with under Sterling either. Um, but, uh, yeah, to, to just one more point about that, uh, about his being blocked or his being an injury call up. I feel like that's spot on. Like so Sean Bates would go, go down and then you'd be like, Oh, it's fine. We got Maple Tuff coming up or Rob Collins or someone like that. Like we're, we're, we're so deep and none <laughs> right. of these guys ever, ever, right. ever did anything. Like I, I can't, I can't think of one. I honestly can't think of one of these guys who is even doing what like Hudson Fashing's doing right now. Like, which is yeah. just being an like effective role player. Um, and I'm sure someone will reach out and, and tell me, you know, bring up someone who, who, who did do that. But like you go through that list of, of players, whether it's, you know, Co- Rob Collins, um, Massey, Major Markey, <laughs> Mapletoff, Papineau, these guys who would get called up and, and be like, this is their turn. Like this is a, you can hear Howie Rose say it, you, you know, is saying it in, in, in his voice, like, you know, and, and what an opportunity here for, for Justin Papineau or Justin Mapletoff to, to show that he is an NHL player. And then what would happen is, you know, he, he, go six games without a point and then get sent down to Bridgeport when, when Claude, Claude the point is back and healthy. Right. Well, I, I have an article here from the New York times from October 15, 2002. So early in the season when the exact scenario you talked about just played out, Trent Hunter was being ineffective. They sent him down and they called up Rafi Torres and Mapletoft and Laviolette said they really staked their, they, they really staked a claim to make the team. And it's like, did they though? I guess, <laughs> but they sent him down after camp and now, they're back. So, um, you know, and then I, I'm sure that they were sent back down again later on. Um, Torres, I feel like made an, an, an impression. He, they used to call him up, but, um, but yeah, it's just, it, it never translated. Um, by the way, just getting real quick back to Steve Sterling. I swear to God, I thought he only coached one team one year for this team. I didn't realize he made it into a second year because yeah. it was after the lockout. So I totally yeah. didn't even realize that. So, and he's got a winning record as an Islander coach. So how about that? Yeah, that, um, that's always funny because when when like when Jack Capuano was was and Trotz were like r- rising up the the rankings, they'd be like, "Oh, and he just passed Steve Sterling for number four on like the Islanders' <laughs> all time wins list." <laughs> like the three of us and four of the people are like, "Oh yeah, yeah that's right." Yes. But um, but call get called up. Mapletoff did, and uh, as I think Noel mentioned before, thirty eight games total over the course of two seasons, three goals, six assists, nine points. Uh, not really. Uh, Sterling numbers there. Um, and uh, he did get into two playoff games in, in 2003. He had zero points there too. Um, so, I mean, uh, you know, again, as, as a person that watched Bridgeport, like were, were you, was, was Mapletoft a guy you were kind of watching when he played for the Islanders for these 38 games? Is he got a guy who caught your attention at that time? Or uh, did he just kind of like fit into the background as we talked about so many of these guys have at that same time? No, I was actually pretty, pretty excited you know to, to see him come up because you know he put up decent numbers that that mm-hmm. year in, in bridgeport and i figured all right he's gonna fill in for you know pekka or lapointe or you know or right. trent Hunter or like whoever was gonna, gonna be there but he just you know was there you know basically as a placeholder and <laughs> like really didn't you know like the, the first year you did the 0203 you know he got off pretty quickly he got two assists i think in a second game he had four points mm. in 11 games. I mean, that's pretty, you know, pretty okay. You know, yeah. average, I think, 12 minutes a game. Right. So it was just the next year under Steve Sterling, of course, where yeah. it just really kind of went went south for him. And then he was just kind of in, like, yeah. AHL purgatory until the lockout. And then, you know, <laughs> he right. ended up, you know, packing his bags and going overseas. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll talk about the overseas yeah. uh, journey in a, in a minute. But, uh, but, yeah, it's funny. So, 
you know, before we've mentioned this before, before we do these episodes, I we go to uh, I go around online trying to find links and, and videos and stuff like that. And a lot of times it's very difficult. But um, of Justin Mapletoff's three NHL goals, <laughs> two of them are on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, I actually managed to find them. The first one, not I mean, for him, I'm sure it was a, it was a huge thrill. But for, for viewers, it wasn't that much of a goal. Uh, it was basically he redirected a, or tipped in an Adrian Acoin slap shot uh, in against the Hurricanes in 02. I, I believe I might be mistaken, but I, I believe he was on the power play, uh, which is really remarkable when you think yeah. about this guy getting called up and now he's on yeah. the power play. Ocoin to Janssen, and back to Ocoin for a drive. He scores! Adrian Ocoin let a sizzler go. There was traffic in front. Rafi Torres was one of the forwards there, along with Justin Mapletoff. If it's either one of those two, it'll be his first National Hockey League goal, and it certainly looks to be Mapletoff. Uh, that was an unbelievable redirection because the puck went in. It looked like the far side of the net. The puck movement, and then let's see the shot. There was traffic in front. That was one, you know, it ended up hitting the blocker glove as, as well of Kevin Weeks and Mapletoft as well got his stick on it, then off the blocker glove and into the net. And the Islanders with a familiar 2 nothing lead, just like last night. Yeah, and I, I asked him about the goal, and he's like, he had no idea he scored a, a coin <laughs> after every puck went and basically went to him and say, oh, you deflected it. He's like, okay, <laughs> let, let me go to find the line. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And uh, here's your souvenir puck, kid. By exactly. Way, you know, so, so yeah. So that you know that was an interesting goal. Again, not not the most uh, I guess uh, aesthetically pleasing goal, but again, okay, congrats. You got a, an NHL goal. That's awesome. The other one, and I I believe this might have been his third goal, came against Nashville uh, in 04 against the Barry Trotz coached uh, Predators mm-hmm. in 04. and uh, it's a much better goal. The, the Islanders end up losing the game, but he he you know scored late to uh, put a little bit of pressure on, on the Predators. Uh, he had an assist a couple of minutes later in the same game. Shot from the blue line, knocked away. Remember the old chili promotion that the Islanders used to have going with Wendy's at the Coliseum over 20 years ago? Well, they've got something similar here. It's tacos from Taco Bell if the Predators get to five goals. So every time a Predator has the puck, Starts salivating. They want to shoot. And here comes Mapletoft. He shoots. He scores. Justin Mapletoft with his first goal of the year. And the Nashville lead is back down to two. It's four to two, Predators. Well, if he worked on his offense, it showed on this one. He reaches behind him and throws the puck behind him and then retrieves it as he gets the pass at the blue line. That was a beautiful play. He's coming across the blue line, and watch him right at the blue line. Look at, puts it behind him and goes and gets it all in one motion. And then the quick shot just inside the post. That's a terrific play by Mapletop. Beautiful play. And this was one of those games. And again, like, you know, the three of us and a lot of people listening to this have seen guys have these kinds of games before where the guy just turns it on. And all of a sudden, he's just really good. He's out there making hits, and he's scoring goals, and he's doing nothing. Yeah, okay, finally the Islanders lost. But, like, man, they might have something in this kid. And uh, that might have been the last we I heard of him. I don't even know how many games he played yeah. after that. But uh, there were a lot of zeros on that uh, game sheet uh, later on. Um, but like you said, that was the, that was the, the Steve Sterling era. Um, so, so you interviewed uh, Mapletoft um, for, for one of your shows. So, I mean, what, what did he have to say about this, this whole era of him? Because he's the only 38 NHL games he ever played. He never played in any other games for any other NHL team. If he wanted a trade, he certainly didn't get one. So, like, what, what was his takeaway from, from his time with the Islanders? Was it kind of bittersweet, or was he like, yeah, man, I played for the NHL for 38 yeah. games. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, when he said, like, looking back, he you know, obviously appreciated his time playing, you know, in the NHL, and then, you know, eventually going overseas, we'll talk about in, in a little mm-hmm. bit. But, you know, he said that when he signed here, you know, because he got drafted and then ended up, you know, still playing in um, WHL, but, you know, because of the, the lame AHL rules, you know, the age restrictions, you got to be 20. So he had to go back to juniors. Um, when he signed, he was ready to go. You know, there were, you know, it's a young team. And then it was like, oh, he's going to get his opportunity here. You know, definitely mm-hmm. with the big club, not, you know, with the inaugural Sound Tigers. And then that's when Wong buys the team. And then, you know, mm-hmm. 
you know, we're all happy because we're actually getting NHL players now with Yashin and Pekka right. and Skatchard and all those guys, Adrian Coyne. So for him, he goes from probably third in the depth chart to six. So, you mm-hmm. know, he was, you know, a little a little annoyed with that. But, you know, like he said, he played in the NHL. He was very mm-hmm. excited with that. Um, the funny thing, though, is he was living in a hotel at the time before moving in with DiPietro. And, you know, it was Christmas time and he didn't have any family here. So Charles Wong invited him over to his house. Oh, wow. And he turned him down. And he he still regrets it to this day. That was his biggest regret in hockey, not going to Charles Wong. I don't know why he didn't go. Because because now he, he actually works he's in a software company in Calgary in like oh, oil wow. and gas industry. Yeah. So he goes he has clients around the country and the world that he travels to. Hmm. So he was like, I could have learned from the guy who owned and ran, you know, computer right. associates, but like a jackass, I turned him down. I don't know if he was just embarrassed because he or scared, you know, intimidated by going to the owner's house. But right, yeah. I was gonna say, forget that. Like, I yeah. wouldn't want to go to just this billionaire's house, like just to see. Hey, check what it out like. at a free meal. Yeah, right, yeah. Okay. I'm trying yeah. to just imagine who was there. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you think about uh, the Islander Christmas dinners now, and you know, we 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 always call these guys, or we now call them the uncles, mm-hmm. uh, because they're all so tight and. and godfathers to each other's kids yeah. and all that stuff they're at each other's weddings and so they all just go to each other's houses i'm sure now but like you know back then as we were saying none of these guys really came through the same system together mm-hmm. uh yashin came from ottawa it was a mega star with a, a supermodel wife pekka is basically a, a poor man's ryan smith <laughs> like a like a captain canada type type guy right then you got like the frat house with bates and cairns and parish and stuff so those teams, um, I wouldn't say that they weren't, you know, tight knit like this one is, but it was definitely more, you know, kind of on the surface, like you can kind of see who would hang out with who. And, uh, and then, and then I'm assuming that Rick was always at Charles Wong's house and I'm sure that Rick was there. And, and, and in my mind, this, this Christmas dinner would be Wong, Rick, you know, at Sanjay Kumar, maybe in his last last days of freedom right. or something. His lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. His lawyer. <laughs> his lawyer. I mean, I, I thought you were going to talk about like, Colin Powell, uh, yeah, Colin you know, Deki Matsui, Deki Matsui, just just a whole like it's almost like a uh, a love boat episode, like you know, it's, just oh, you show up, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, maybe that's probably why you didn't want to go. Yeah, I'm gonna be there. It's gonna be me, uh, your goalie, uh, the Secretary right. of, of State. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably gonna a, a bunch suit, of rich guys. So it was like a flannel shirt he had to wear. It was like he was yeah. at a right, yeah. the years to get a suit or something like that, and you never feel like doing it. That's so funny. He didn't have anything to bring, probably. Well, that's also probably true yeah. too. Well, you can get an Entenmann's cake. It's just, it's yeah. all the thought that counts. People love. Yeah, it. I mean, like Brian Burrard is probably at the Entenmann's signing autographs as we speak, <laughs> Justin. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, wow. That that's absolutely hilarious. I can't even imagine. And, and also, not for nothing, what would have? I, I guess you know your boss essentially invites you. The team owners invite. I guess it could be a little bit weird, and maybe like your first inclination would be like, eh, I don't, you know, if my if my boss has invited me out, I probably have to think. Twice yeah, I mean, it, Christmas yeah. parties are always weird with work. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Like, exactly. Like, I I remember it when I when I worked an ill fated job in, in high finance. If you can can believe it, I uh, <laughs> I went to a Christmas party and and I hated my boss and and like he was just he's always terrible to me. And then he was terrible to me all day. And then we went to a Christmas party and he's like really nice to me and. Yeah. And Emily, and then I'm like, you were just a huge dick to me, like two two hours ago. <laughs> right. Just because, like, just because, like, there's like pigs pigs in a blanket right over there doesn't <laughs> means that you can you're just gonna be nice. Like, what's going on? Like, this is, by the way, this is the exact like story that we talked about the Mike Milbury Wendell Clark story that we talked about with Down Goes Brown, where they had it out in the locker room, and then they had the the Islanders Christmas party, and Mike's like, huh, hey, we really showed him, didn't we, Clarky?" <laughs> and Clark is like, "Man." Go to hell! Like, you know, just, uh, I guess the same thing, but but at the same time, I I am wondering what Wong must have thought about when he was like, "He's not coming." What? No. Okay, I guess I come. Yeah. He's like, "All right, call Eric Manlo." Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> or Jason Krog. You know? Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, just get Jason Krog. It's yeah, right. going down the roster. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So well, yeah. so we talked about it a little a little bit ago, but uh, after that that thirty eight game. Uh, stint with the Islanders came to an end again this was two seasons after he had been drafted you know like four or five seasons before so the guy spent a long time in in the organization I I couldn't find out how I guess they just 
maybe didn't tender him or just didn't resign him. He did resign at one point. Um, oh, sorry. Before I move on, I did find a recap, a game recap of a four-one win over the Penguins uh, in two thousand and three, and it's just an amazing recap. It talks about Justin Papineau scored the go-ahead goal early in the third period as the Islanders uh, to lead the Islanders' victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins in an exhibition opener. Um, and then Islanders Justin Mapletoft forced a turnover to lead to Aaron Asham's goal for the left faceoff circle. Uh, so that's that's an amazing another for, former Red Deer Rebel. There's a lot yeah, of Red yes. Deer Rebels in this in this in this yes. kind of era. Hunter, uh, Papano. I'm not Papano. Mapletoft, mm. Asham, Darren Van Imp. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. And I guess it was because of Sutter. He's probably like, yeah, take right. this, you know, take this guy. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Um, uh, Mapletoft and uh, Asham were, were pretty close. Oh yeah, he was saying That's yeah, they, they were close. He played in Bridgeport during the strike year, and okay. he really, really wanted to go to Europe then. Mm. And, but uh, he ended up resigning for that one year because they figured that the lockout lockout would be you know short, or mm. they would have an abbreviated season like you know the nineteen ninety five season. Sure, but that never happened, so he ended up staying there, you know, for the oh four oh five season, and he put up you know respectable numbers and it was like 35 points in mm-hmm. like 61 games so it was it was okay they had a pretty good season that year right like i I'm, did they make the playoffs or something because i remember like the islanders being like if you miss hockey like the sound tigers are playing in the playoffs or something yeah no uh, not that year not they, that year yeah unfortunately okay. uh but then uh yeah that's when his islander career and you know nhl career ended and then he yeah. ended up going overseas and he, he hit a lot of spots, let's just say. I, I was going to say overseas is an understatement because the guy played in Sweden, Finland, Austria, Germany, and Switzerland over the course of like five seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, you know, for two teams in the same year in two different countries, uh, that must have been crazy. Like, I can't even imagine. I mean, he's get you know, being away from your family because you play in New York and they're from Alberta or whatever is one thing, but like. You know, one week you're in Switzerland, the next play your minute you're playing in Austria. I mean, I can't even imagine what what that was like. Did, what was his? What were his memories of of that era? Did he? Did he talk to you about that at all? Or yeah, not? he he was excited because his wife came to move out there with him, and mm. he had his first daughter overseas as well. Oh, so nice. at least you know he wasn't by himself like the going to a Christmas yeah. party. He had his you know his family <laughs> there, and but yeah, he he said I'm gonna go overseas and you know go all these countries rather than ride a bus, play four games in five nights, and go to Hershey and you know Scranton mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And wow. he's right; he, he could play, get more money, play half the games, and right. see the world. I'm like, okay, yeah. that that makes total sense. Absolutely, right. That's that's awesome. So I just it's just funny you don't don't often see like a list like that <laughs> you know usually it's a guy who goes play for one team and he stays there for a while but man he got he really got around okay so we have we have reached the 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 time when we need to hear about why the hell noel fogelman owns a justin mapletoft used game worn jersey because <laughs> <laughs> i mean this is not a jersey that and i've seen the pictures of it i'll yeah. I'll, I'll show the picture it's number 26 it's a nice looking jersey why on earth do you have this jersey and how did you come to own it? Okay. And I've worn it, you know, to the Coliseum. I think I wore it to UBS Arena last year. So if you see somebody wearing I, I, might Justin Mabel, you. I might have a picture of you. Okay. You might be, you might be in my amazing. file next to the guy who, who I saw with a Mike York jersey and a okay. few people who I saw at game six against the Lightning sitting in front of me. Steve Steos on one of them and Freddie Meyer on the other, I believe. Wow. So, oh, no. It was Aaron Ness. It was Aaron Ness Aaron and Steve Steos. So, um, yeah, it, I'd probably have a picture of your, your, your back. Yeah, so I, I might actually bust it out. I'm going to a couple of games this week, so I might actually bust it out. But um, yeah, it was a stretch during during the pandemic where my son was on eBay looking for for something. I forgot what it was. It was I think it was some Bridgeport like game used something, and then it said on the bottom, you know, similar to your item, and they had a bunch of like Islander jerseys. So I'm like, right. okay, cool. So I was just looking at the you know game used, and I was down a rabbit hole just looking, and there was a Justin Mabeltoff one. And I'm like, there's no way I'm letting anyone outbid me for this thing. So, and no one did because I was the only person to bid on it. Right. Yeah. So then after that, I ended up getting, okay. So the 1999 draft, right. They also drafted, um, what's uh, Kolnick, right? Gerard mm-hmm. Kolnick. Right. Uh, yeah. So I didn't get his jersey. I got the guy who tr- was traded for him in Sven Butchinton. So I got his game used jersey. Oh yeah, too. have you worn that one? I've definitely seen that. Yes, I've worn that yeah. one. As well. Oh my god! Yeah. 
Me and my yeah. friends were obsessed with with Boot and Sean. Like we went to a game where the Islanders got blown out by the Canadians, and and Boot and Sean scored the only goal. Yeah, and we went nuts because we loved him <laughs> and these Canadian fans. Because back then, of course, at the Coliseum when they played the Canadians, it was all Canadians fans. Um, right. Uh, they were like, well, "Is that your dad or something?" They're like, "No, man, this, this, yeah. this is, he's just our guy." Right. And the best thing about that jersey is like the letters go from shoulder to shoulder because it's yes. so long. So it's, <laughs> it's great. You know, so I'm like, I, you know, I got to get these. These are, This is like if, you know, in 10 years, someone gets like a Tanner Fritz jersey, in your jersey. <laughs> right. or, or, or someone like that. You know, it's like uh, Paul Adu or, or whoever, you know, was up here for a cup of coffee. So that's just like, mm. yeah, I was like, I, I had to get it. And, you know, it has a couple, you know battle scars on there from you know from from him so i'm like all right i'm definitely getting this and busting it out but he wore actually two numbers with the honors the 26 yes. was his uh, rookie year and then he wore yep. 16 which yep. you know personally i don't know how you i think it should be retired for pat lafontaine but actually <laughs> it's the most worn jersey number by any islander really wow. yeah that and 17 believe it or not are both 25 different players have worn each number jesus wow so it's like yeah. after LaFontaine left, I figured that they they were just gonna like screw him and just give it to any player who came up. You know, uh, he's like, "Can I wear you know forty? No, you're wearing sixteen. Can I wear you know you know twenty nine? Well, no, you're wearing sixteen. So it's just like okay. Just, well, sixteen is a good like sort of generic forward number. Yeah, like, you know, you're right in that sort of meaty part of the the number curve. There, it's not you know thirty eight, which is weird, but it's also not you know nine which is usually some kind of hall of famer or whatever yeah but uh i never would have guessed that 16 was i i i could name a bunch of them obviously we've seen a yeah. whole bunch we got one right now then there was lad and sim and all these other forget peter about regan. lafontaine and palfy peter regan yeah there's, I forget. lafontaine and palfy are the two that i think people go to the most but there have been yeah, a lot uh, i would i honestly probably would i think i would have guessed 17 now that i think about yeah. it like because you like yeah bates in my mind 17 belongs to bates mm. but then they like mm. thomas Polk wore it and mm. Like it feels mm. like a, you know, a, a, just a bunch of same kind of forwards as, as Bates. Has, right. It's always been like a speedy yeah. kind of guy. Right. And, yeah. and uh, you, you basically can do a, a weird Islanders with pretty much everyone besides Poffy and LaFontaine to wear that number. <laughs> yeah. It, it's crazy. I mean, uh, honestly, well, I, I probably would have guessed number 30. Yeah. Boom Boom Boom. 52, right? Like 52 yeah. is, is yes. just him, him, Ross, and, and Joe Finley. That's funny. Yeah. I, I honestly would have guessed. Number thirty was the most worn Islanders jersey oh, because yeah. there's been so many damn goalies, and they all end up getting again the generic goalie number of thirty. Here it is thirty for you, but uh, that's pretty cool. Well, there you go, a little bit of Islanders trivia there for you. So, um, yeah, so so I mean, we for once we actually hear about what uh, a weird Islander is doing now. Mm-hmm. Justin Mapletoft is working in software. Um, it's just <laughs> um, you know we talk about like what the legacy of these guys is sometimes. And we talked about Ryan Smith's legacy or obviously Kirk Muller and Wendell Clark, those kinds of guys. I I feel like guys like Justin Mapletoft do have a legacy like of the prospect that just didn't, didn't pan out. Um, You know, I I wonder if he's like, if he feels that way, I guess not. Cause I mean, you said he appreciated that whole time, but you know, to us, He's that guy who, you know, yeah. we heard all about and then just never really <laughs> he comes yeah. up. He scores three goals in 38 games. It's like, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do? And again, like I said, he, he, this happened between, you know, 2002 and 2004. So this predates the podcast. It predates, right. you know, blogs media, for the most part. Yeah, exactly. Social media, Lighthouse Hockey, even, you know, as long as we, as long as Dom has had the site around, that's even older yeah. for that, you know? And so, like, he kind of missed this whole era and really fell through the cracks. And like, if you're sitting there listening to this being like, Oh dude, I remember this guy, man, a you're old. Uh, yeah, so exactly. Congratulations. <laughs> we're all old, but yeah. also like, this is a very deep cut. Like yeah. you got to really be a deep Islanders fan but you, to know you, the legend. Justin if we Mabel. wanted to set up a, 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 you know, a satire Twitter from, from 2003, <laughs> we could, right. we could even, yeah. you know, Put the the same that the accounts that you know would be talking about. They gotta play Maple Top more. Like Maple Top played. <laughs> he, here's Maple Top's time on ice last night. And, yeah, and then superimposed yeah. next to Eric Goddard's time on ice or something. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, Laviolette found time for for Eric Goddard to go out there and fu- and fight Chris Neal, but he couldn't get Justin Maple Toft out there on the power play. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you, you, you can see the conversation happening, and, right. and then and then you can rinse and repeat for Papano, and right. you can rinse and repeat Absolutely. for for Colleton. 
We need uh, some uh, heat map blobs for uh, yes, Justin Mapletop. Yeah, she's never had one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. We got to grow the game using Justin Mapletop. He's he's the guy who, you know, when they send him back down to Bridgeport, people would be like, stupid Islanders putting in Justin Mapletoft on waivers. <laughs> they don't know what they have. Get, get on that. Enter GM here, you know, Ken Holland and Steve Eisenman or whoever it is. Get on that. Got to get Justin Mapletoft. This guy's a Red Deal Rebels legend, man. And then, of course, he just goes back down to Bridgeport. And yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a guy, I mean, he, he was one of the first, I say this, I feel like I say this a lot, but like, we're still kind of in the, the early stages where these guys are, are immediately added to the list when we started this <laughs> list. And, you know, that, this was a name that, that came up immediately. So I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we got to him and I'm glad we could talk about him because again, this is, this is a guy who has not been mentioned on another Islanders podcast. I can promise you that. Uh, so, uh, no, what's, uh, so what's going on with you? You always have a lot of projects in the air. You just put out another episode of, uh, reliving my youth a little while ago. Uh, what, what kind of guests have you had lately and uh, who can we look forward to on that show? Yeah. So the, well, thanks for bringing it up. Uh, the last oh, yeah. episode I had was, uh, from Ann Cusack, a member of the mm, fam- very right. famous Cusack family with Joan and John. Uh, she was the left fielder, Shirley Baker, the one who couldn't read in league of their own. If you're a fan of the boys, she plays Starlight's mother. So it's, uh, yeah, she gets around. She's in, uh, who's in Fargo. She was a great actress. Uh, recently I had Glenn Phillips from Toad the Wet Sprocket. Uh, yeah, it's just a bunch of episodes over 280 now on, wow. uh, yeah, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. Check it out. Uh, a couple more coming out over the next couple of weeks. Uh, they come in bunches. You know, I, I get cold mm. spells where kind of like Justin Mabeltoff, I won't score for, you know, get an <laughs> interview for like, you know, 15 you know, games or whatever. And then I'll you know, get a couple, but yeah, just uh, check it out. I'm, I'm always, uh, leasing episodes and they're, they're pretty good. Yeah. yeah, no, they're great. I've, I've listened to a whole bunch and, and they're really good. And yeah, the NQ second one, I was like, Oh my God, I completely forgot. I didn't, I totally, I don't watch the boys. So I'm glad that oh, okay. it's working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. And, and you just restarted advanced shouting too on YouTube, right? Uh, well, I got um, I got forced, and no, I'm kidding. Uh, me and Michael Vartan aren't doing it anymore. So uh, Dan Petru, who was the third man in the in the group, he wanted just to restart it, and he's he found two people who were big supporters of the show who helped, and they're doing uh, like a little show now. Check it out. I have no idea when it's on. I haven't watched it yet. I'm I'm basically like the cast member who didn't get picked up for the next season, and maybe I'll, I'll get star eventually, or they'll recast me because I guess you know. Right. they'll do it oh, i guess i'm like and viv you know the first and viv you know <laughs> <laughs> you got you got chuck cunningham cunningham exactly i went up the stairs those are some old references right there well in any event we can check that out too but we'll definitely check out reliving my youth and i'll put the link in there too uh but yeah this has been a, this has been a great uh a great chat uh and and a great pick uh by you uh michael leboff any any final thoughts on justin mapletoff before we uh wrap it up uh, for this episode of weird islanders the podcast i just wonder if there was a you know a, a, an alternate islander universe where you know maple toft and papano work out jeremy colleton and you know even like guys as, as you can go as far as sean berg and hyman and or like just wonder like if they did even if there wasn't an alternate universe where all of them work out like <laughs> just how different things would be because you just go through that list of of islanders prospects from like i guess from Connolly and and pyatt on um and, and mm. like i said i know those two guys turned into two very important players for the islanders and like their their renaissance but when you look at when you think about all the draft picks they had because they were terrible for so long and then you look at the islander team that came back from the lockout which justin mapletop was not on um reminder <laughs> like you, you look at it and and just you're like okay yeah there's campoli and gervais but outside of that Man, it's just it is just mercenaries, and yeah. and that's what what the state of the Islanders was for so long until um, Gar Snow decided to to start his first of many rebuilds uh, with the mm-hmm. with the Josh Bailey uh, draft. And um, but like you can just go down the list, man. And and Maple Toft is is probably one of he's he, to me. He, like I said, he's the first prospect, but he's not alone. Like you can put together mm-hmm. an all prospects team with this with the Islanders from that era that didn't work out from. From him to to Robert Nilsson, Petteri Nokalainen, Petnik, like all these guys, Steve Regier, like <laughs> oh my god, like there were so many of these guys who, like you said, there was no there was no Twitter, there was no blogs or or you know 
podcasts at, at all. So you just read about these guys from from Greg Logan, and he would say, you know who looks good at camp this this year is Cole Jarrett, and then you get excited because Cole <laughs> Jarrett got called up, and, and and then guess what? He didn't he didn't do anything. So you know that's that's Maple Tough to me is is you know they, these guys um, who who we were there was so much promise by so few people um, mm. by basically just one person whoever was mm. or half a person whoever was covering the Islanders back then. Um, and then there were people who like, like us three and, and, and dozens of others out there who read this stuff and said, man, I can't wait to see what Ryan Caldwell does when he gets this call to the big <laughs> team. And, and I can't wait. To, maybe, maybe Papineau and, and Maple Toff will, will be the next peck of baits. Um, and it, it didn't happen. Right. As, as, yeah. as, as often as it often goes with the Islanders, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. That's the the story of their friend. But it is funny how, yeah, and you mentioned it before. Like, for for all of the complaints we have now of guys who get, you know, their their prospect system not having quite the uh, the sexy names on it that other teams do. Um, look at the Islanders roster and see how many of them were drafted and right, developed. Right. By the it's it's most of them. You exactly. Know? Yeah. This, it's, it's, there was a time when that was not the case. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is a totally unique era of my fandom to see. Uh, a team of all homegrown, all homegrown guys who are sure. all going to, you know, be around 700 games with this team, which is, you know, just it's insane. Crazy. Cause right. Justin Mapletoff played, what'd you say? 38? 38. 38. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> Jarrett, just, way, just a thousand strong. short of what Josh Bailey gave us. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, Cole Jarrett, only one game by the way. And, <sighs> and I think I, I would have to go back in the archives, but I, I think this episode might actually break our, our own record for uh, most weird Islanders mentioned. Uh, in in a single episode, because once you get to the Cole Jarrett level, it, it becomes a whole other thing. Uh, where can everybody find uh, you on Twitter, Mike? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski. Read his work at Action Network. Obviously, read our work at Lighthouse Hockey uh, every single day. Listen to Noel's work at Reliving My Youth. Trust me, if if there's a band or a movie or a TV show you've watched in your life, he has interviewed somebody from that show. I promise you. So, <laughs> thanks, Noel. This is this has been great, and uh, uh-huh. we'll. Uh, well, uh, you got to look back at the list and uh, figure out who's going to be number three. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on. <laughs> yeah, this is great. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another episode. And until then, keep the Islanders weird. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.